1: They use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother f- that loses every god game. <laughs> that's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> so, get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, well, that's
2: Ovechkin whirls this one over top of the head of Montebo Farivari towards the cage, deflection, try, stop, rebound, SCORE! Alex Ovechkin.
3: Congratulations to Lars. He played his
2: 1,000th game the other night. Way to go! Off this draw, Carlson sets it. Slaps out of the way.
1: Score!
2: Yeah. Well, I you, I don't even know what to say anymore. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's what we gotta say at least to start it. I'm Bob Matthews. Delighted that you are joining us. However. I think the Caps game last night with the Montreal Canadiens is indicative of the way the rest of the season is going to go. And that's one they really needed to have, too, because the schedule coming up is an absolute meat grinder. After dropping that game last night, the Capitals now go on the road, and the schedule on the road for a team that's trying to get back into playoff contention is not a good one. Just look at at what they have got left the rest of February, okay? I mean, it is outrageous. They're off to Sunrise, Florida tomorrow night, the 8th, to play the Panthers. Then it's off to Boston for a nationally televised game against the Bruins, who, oh, by the way, are probably the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Home next week to Vancouver and Colorado, who are two of the better teams in the West. Then they got to go up to Montreal, then back home against the Devils, also fighting for a playoff spot on the road against Tampa, on the road against Florida, Ottawa, maybe you get a win there, and then off to Detroit on the 27th of February. And again, the Red Wings are a team that they're looking up at right now. So we're going to dive into that. Here as we get going, and then after the break, we're going to switch gears, talk a little football. Scott Jackson of the Commanders post-game show is going to be with us. He watched the press conference, as did we all, with Dan Quinn the other day. We want to get his first impressions on the new boss for the Commanders. But first, let's hit the ice and talk some pucks. <laughs> By the way, if occasionally you hear uh, K. Billy's songs in the 70s in the background, uh, I'm recording this here in the library at the Norfolk Yacht Club, and uh, uh, that's what's playing overhead. I couldn't get anybody to turn it down. But it should just be fairly faint in the background. The microphone is fairly directional. So here's where we are. I wrote some notes down after watching the game last night, and essentially... Caps fans, the Bills come due. You know, this is where we are at. The Caps are who the Caps are right now. So barring uh, St. Louis Blues play Gloria type of turnaround and playoff run, they'll be missing the playoffs here for the second year in a row. I think it's pretty easy to see where they're at. Uh, physically, they're 7th place in the Metro. They're 10 points out of a wild card spot. This is all because of a process that was set in motion about four years ago. Brian McClellan made the decision, and one that I completely agreed with him on, I think everybody did at the time, and that was to keep the band together as long as humanly possible. He identified the guys that were the driving force behind winning the Cup in 2018, made it a priority to sign those guys. Now, the mistake was having Peter Laviolette coached them for that four-year window when they had a chance to go to the postseason when it was a foregone conclusion and have a deep run, and Lavi wasn't the guy for it. But at the time, hey, it all made sense. Lavi's a guy that coaches veterans and coaches them well. Well, that window is closed now. The The core is, you know, it's not only hurt, but it's a shell of what it once was. It, it can't carry a team the way it used to. And I'm talking about Ovechkin and the likes Tom Wilson yes is still very much in the prime of his career I don't want to put him in that in that category but remember this is a lineup whatever lineup takes the ice uh, this weekend it's a lineup without its top two centers just to start with and yeah I know Nicholas Backstrom was very unlikely to play this year but still had him penciled in until he left the team Uh, You combine that with the fact that Evgeny Kuznetsov is out for God knows how long. Uh, There aren't many teams that can lose two centers, basically their top two centers, and expect to play at at a, a championship contending level. Now you combine that with what Brian McClellan did at the beginning of the year or last offseason. Went out and got a lot of guys to fill in the holes that were low-risk, high-reward. You hoped it would have worked. You hope Max Pacioretty would have come in and given this team a big lift goal-wise. Goal uh, I know he wasn't going to score 30, but if you got 20 out of him, you would have loved it. Joel Edmondson was a guy that you hope really stabilized the blue line. Didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Now, the good news is you look down in Hershey and – you've got some help coming up. And even further down, you know, Ryan Leonard, I think we all know, has been lighting it up for Boston College. He was the Caps' first-round pick in last year's draft. But I think you can see that what the front office is trying to do now is look towards the future. Case in point, Evgeny Kuznetsov enters the NHL and HLPA player assistance program. Does Hendrix Lapierre come up, come back up? No. Michael Scarabosa does. Why? Scarabosa's been playing well for for uh, Hershey. That's not, you know, that is that not that's not in question. But you'd rather keep Lapierre down in Hershey where he can get a lot of minutes playing either on the first or the second line, because he's not going to get that up here in Washington. So having Scarabosa here. And not Lapierre means they're not Russian Lapierre they're not uh, they're not uh, Russian back up you know they're not bringing Ethan Frank up although I think it you know at 24 25 whatever uh, however Ethan Frank I-, I don't get why he's not up yet although again you know, and again with the winger situation there's really not room for him as the team is constructed right now so it is what it is. Could this team possibly make a run? You know, anything is possible in the National Hockey League. But if I were you, I would uh, be more getting ready for the fact that this team will miss the playoffs here for the second time in two years. Wow, we get the sounder twice in one second. All right, time to go into the locker room get you your exclusive locker room access after the game we will start with Dylan Strom who is now this team's first uh, as this team's top-line center and we asked Stromer you know his uh, impressions after the loss to Montreal pretty much probably what you thought it was
4: no a couple couple bad bounces and you know you find yourself down three nothing so um, yeah I can never really battle back though we played pretty good in the second and for some of the third and you know, just giving up timely goals and uh, yeah, I thought we had a, you know some good fight, but uh, you know, doesn't really matter once you're down three nothing. So you know, obviously if we we know how we do, gotta play to to be successful, we did it in second. I think we outshot them sixteen to four and we're all over them. So obviously you can't just play one period in this league, especially. So um, you know, we are put ourselves in a bit of a hole here. So um, not a great time to lose five in a row, but you know, dad's trip coming up and look at the positives and. You know, got to get some wins. Got to string some wins together. We've done it before, so I think we can do it again.
2: If there's one positive that you could take away from the Montreal loss, I guess it's that Ovi scored again, and that's two goals in two games, and I think points in, what, 10 out of his last 12 games or 11 out of his last 13, something like that. Uh, but and and Strom, when asked, you know, what this team can do to get out of this funk, uh, aside from massively upgrade the talent, which of course, it, you know, that's unrealistic. But he said, when you are playing the way this Capitals team is playing, uh, what you got to do is not get not get down early.
4: Yeah, I think. I mean, just look at the games. Like we're getting down. Just you know, every feels like every first period we're, we're down at, at some point. So. You know, you're chasing the game and, and obviously, you know, it's a little easier to, you know, attack when when, when you're when you're down three nothing and the other team's gonna sit back a little bit. So um, you know, we gotta find a way to do that from the from the start of the game. Um, you know, maybe the dads will rejuvenate us and, and uh obviously we gotta come out come out strong in, in Florida. So um they're a good team and, and so is Boston. So it doesn't get any easier for us from here.
2: Ain't that the truth. Spencer Carberry for his part is trying to accentuate the positives. Absolutely after all, that's what a head coach is supposed to do. And he said there were some. Unfortunately, those positives occurred after the game was already out of hand. Some of the
3: things offensively in the second and third period I think we'll try to draw off of. Uh, It's sometimes hard because once you get up in a game, like you you saw that in the Pittsburgh game with us of getting up early. And then now all of a sudden the opposing team is trying to protect that lead. And so... But having said that too, we did we did some better things in the second and third period to, to generate um, obviously some goals, but way more consistent ozone time, um, deliveries, activity around their net. So I, I would say that. And then um, just calmed us down a little bit. I, and I don't know, we're, we're still trying to find our way through a lot of our guys' you can tell they they want desperately to do the right things. And in these moments, we're just, we're a little overwhelmed and we're a little panicky and we're a little bit gripping our sticks or, or whatever it is, whether it's they're um, nervous or the situation, the stakes, it's their first year in the NHL, they're trying to earn a comp, whatever it is, we're just making um, some really large mistakes um that are ended up in the back of our net and, and we have to you have to eliminate those big ones you're gonna make mistakes like i was saying last night you're gonna have the odd um, ozone turnover breakout that doesn't get out clean and the puck's frozen on the wall you're gonna have those situations but it's just the ones right now that are directly ending up in a one-timer in the slot that that's those are tough
2: unfortunately Uh, they're going to have to scratch and claw for every point that they get from here on out. Uh, At least Carberry acknowledged the fact that this team is not going to be a team that's going to blow anybody out this year. So
3: 2024 Washington Capitals right there, very well said. Uh, I I agree with all of it, and that that can be frustrated and frustrating. There's a lot of things that go into that, what you just described, that – cause you to grip the stick no we're a low-scoring team to begin with so now you give up one two sometimes when you get those bad breaks if you can score at will or, or you've got a power play that's clipping at 28 29 percent you're like no big deal for us those are big moments and they're difficult to recover from because what creeps into our guys heads and what we're trying to fight against as coaches and try to permeate the message is they go oh no oh no this we can't get to three. And so that, that becomes to your point of, of the bad break here and there, and then we're buzzing around and you guys have seen it all year, Like we're, we're not a high-octane, bing-bang-boom um, offensive team. We're going to have to grind for our goals and we're trying to do a better job of that. We. Love the sequence last night with Stromer finding, oh, I know it looks like a pretty play, but that's just a shot from Marty, just rips that thing to the net. Stromer, instead of fading to the corner, goes right to the net. And it and it. and so something we're trying to incorporate more of. Um, so, yeah, no question it can be frustrating in that, but that's what we as coaches and, and the players, we've got to find a way to, to battle through that and get the job done.
2: And it's going to be a hard job to get done the rest of the month, that's for sure. Take a break. When we come back, Commanders post game show host Scott Jackson joins us. We talk a little football. His first impressions of new head coach Dan Quinn. That's next on the Bob Matthews podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl Fifty Eight? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. See what we did there. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into two hundred instantly. In bonus bets, and DraftKings has got every single solitary kind of prop bet that you want. Even you know, from who's gonna who's gonna win the coin toss? Is it gonna be heads or tails? All up to who scores the final point in the big game. All you gotta do is really easy. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred. Instantly in bonus bets. That's only on DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See C- dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from
2: time to bring him on in our ultimate insider here it's the host of the commander's post game show as well as the host of his own show on priority auto sports radio 94.1 of virginia beach it's scott jackson how you doing jackson
0: good how you doing bob
2: I'm alright, my friend. Been a little bit of while. First football season of the show there has been wrapped up. It 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 did phenomenal, I know. So uh congratulations on that. Now it's on to the off season, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Enters the off season tends to be more interesting than the actual season, and I don't think this year <laughs> it's any any different and it's actually more so. It's an offseason on steroids and you actually have a general manager hire. Obviously, you've got, um, you know, uh, the coaching hire, the coordinators and all these other things. And, and now maybe an ability or, or a desire, I should say, to move up and grab that number one overall pick from the Bears if they're willing to dangle it in front of you. Absolutely. So uh,
2: now, were you up in Ashburn uh, for the big announcement or were you like me watching it, uh, watching it on the live stream? No,
0: I was getting ready for my radio show. I was over at Hackers on Hilltop yesterday. So now I was I was down here watching it on the old Zoom like everybody else. Yeah.
2: uh, and a wonderful place hackers i recommend it to everybody and i'm not being paid to say that it's a very cool place (laughs) (laughs) hey all right so i'm watching you're watching yesterday you have seen a bunch of these over the years dan quinn your first impressions what struck you most about him and what were your first impressions of this guy
0: well, I mean, I had seen, you know, Dan Quinn before, obviously, impressors. And I've heard a lot of really good things about him from people that I've spoken to that, that cover the Falcons. You know, West Durham was on my show last week, and we talked at length about Dan Quinn, the guy. And, you know, just, a, just somebody who has been uh, really willing to to look at themselves in the mirror, um, you know, very accountable, I would say, is the thing that he comes across as a guy who wants to know what, what uh, he can do to evolve Um, I always find it fascinating when we get into these coaching searches and everybody wants that shiny new toy. And, you know, that's great. I get it. I mean, it'd be awesome. If you could guarantee me you were picking the next Sean McVay or, you know, Kyle Shanahan or somebody like that, but we all understand that that's not, you're no, there's no guarantees in that the coach who is the best coach in the NFL. In my opinion right now is Andy Reid. And thank goodness, nobody looked at him like he was some loser because he got fired in Philadelphia and that he was, he had no value. And uh, look what he's been able to do in Kansas city. Obviously, Pete Carroll was a third time head coach in the NFL, not to mention his college um, time out there in Seattle did really well. Obviously, Belichick, it's, it's well known that he was fired in, in, you know, in Cleveland. I mean, there's and Jim Harbaugh's a retread. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that are retreads, right? Or, re, you know, or on their second job, third job in the NFL um, that that find it, you know, find that that next fit is the right one. So uh, I wasn't really bummed on, on that part of it. I know this defenses of his have been fantastic lately, and I just wanted to kind of hear his vision for the team and, you know, why Cliff Kingsbury, you know, why Joe Witt Jr. is probably easier to figure out because they've worked together for four years now. But I thought he did a good job just answering all the things, and I felt like he ducked any questions. It didn't seem like he was uncomfortable with anything that was thrown at him. And there was a lot of stuff that was thrown at him uh, during what was like almost an hour of a press conference, which is Mm -hmm. uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, I think uh, for the commanders, you know, again, it's going to be more of a show me situation, but I think again, first, you know, first um, impressions are important. I think he made it a very, very strong one.
2: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, and uh, we all get caught up in the Twitter sphere and, and everything else, but, and if if you're, if you go down that rabbit hole, you got to remember for every, you know, Dan Campbell and every Sean McVay out there, there's a, a hell of a lot more, you know, Josh McDaniels that wind mm-hmm. up or, or Eric
0: Mangini's his first time head coaches. So and- Robert Sala is still trying to figure it out. I mean, I don't think he's been very good uh, with the jets, you know? So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of things and you know, I think in a lot of cases you look at it and you say when guys fail, what do they have supportive ownership? Do they have a good structure? And usually the answer is of course they didn't, you know, no. Right. Um, but in this case, I think they're trying to put that structure in place. They, you know, got the guy everybody perceived as the number one guy in the front office this offseason. Now they may have not gotten the number one coach in the offseason, but, you know, I think most most of us have been saying for a few years around here, I'd rather have the right GM and, uh, you know, start there. And that's where the commander started. And, and we'll see, obviously, again, you know, he's still got to prove it too. And, and Adam Peters, but I, I think, uh, you know, again, just knowing the people that um, he's been around, it would be, um, it would be very disappointing if he wasn't a success. So where do you fall on this one? Because my feeling is always
2: there are 32 head coaches out there. That's it. You know, these are the 32 best, relatively speaking, head coaches in football. They all probably know the same relatively same amount of X's and O's. I think it's more important that you've got a GM or whoever's evaluating the talent that gets them the right players. Um, do you think it's, it's more on the GM at this point or more on the head coach?
0: Well, yeah. And in concert with the coach to get him the type of players that he wants to, you know, that he needs, I should say, to fit into his schemes. You know what I mean? Like to get the right players Mm -hmm. for those, for those systems uh, in place, um, I think is very important. That's why I think this hire of Cliff Kingsbury is fascinating to me because I think if you really, you know, pan out here and don't just fall in love with the idea of Caleb Williams, you could certainly see why he would be um, very helpful to a Jaden Daniels if that was the way they went, or a Drake May, who also played in spread offenses um, with Phil Longo in North Carolina, as did Sam Hal for that matter. So mm-hmm. I think you know that that part of it's big, like the GM understanding who what, what the players are the needs. I mean, this is where Gibbs and Beathard worked really well together, and then the other part of it is when you get him here, you know, don't get caught up on draft position, right? Like it doesn't matter anymore. Um, How do they got here? It's like, coach them all the same, treat them all the same. And I know that rarely happens (laughs) because we know the number one picks, the first round picks, I should say, get the benefit of the doubt, get more chances uh, around the league than, than the guys that are picked on day three or day two uh, for that matter. But, you know, I think that's also very important though, uh, you know, into be, you know, really into development. And it sounds like that's something these guys uh, are embracing, but again, we'll see in practice if that's true.
2: Yeah. All right. So for, this brain trust now, you look at the, they're looking ahead to the combine, obviously. Um, and again, I fall back on on your experience. You have, have covered this team and covered this league for so long. If you want to read the tea leaves into what they are thinking draft-wise, and we all know that's extraordinarily hard to do. But when you see them at the combine, when you hear them talking about people, is it any way to get any kind of a read on on maybe who they're looking at if they're going to go with Drake May if they're going to try and make a move up for Caleb Williams? Is there any way to 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 look for any signs either at the combine or or any other you know pro days or workouts and stuff like that?
0: Well, I hope to think they'll spend as much time on all three of those top quarterbacks and even the guys down further um, than they will any other position. You know, I mean, I think the quarterback you really need to do that deep dive. Um all well on all levels. I mean, you you know, again, if if you want to talk yourself into the idea of moving back, which I don't think they will, but you still gotta explore it, right? I mean, you, right. you still gotta think about it, especially if you were to feel really um excited about um you know some of the op- options back there. If you you know fell in love with Michael Penix or Joe, you know, or uh Bo Nicks or uh you know somebody like that. So I mean I, I think that's why you have to really do the deep dive on all the quarterbacks, spend as much time with all of them. Now maybe you could say hey, you know, we probably don't need to have as many, um, you know, meetings or, or deep dives on Caleb Williams because we have a coach here who's just spent a year with the kid um, than you would some of the others. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's certainly got to be quarterback. I mean, you know, like in reality, you're, you're hoping that you never pick number two again. I mean, you know, if you said in Peter's tenure, you're like, <laughs> right. God, I hope we never have this pick again, unless it's, of course, through a trade and somebody else's, right? Like we'd mm-hmm. li- like kind of like what the Bears are doing like unless it, that kind of situation. But yeah, I would think, um, you know, all their energy, you know, the combine has got to be spent starting on that quarterback breakdown. I'd say they're not going to look at the other stuff, but yeah, they're going to certainly do that offensive lineman, you know, especially I would suppose day two tackles will be kind of high on their list to look at. Um, if you assume that they're going to stick with quarterback on day one and you no, know, there's clearly a plenty of other holes here uh, on this team now. Some created by the previous regime too. <laughs> uh, when you look at pass rush, is really a problem. And um, you know the secondary, I still think there's probably room for some addition there. And, and of course, linebackers, which has been ignored forever here. Yeah. So that that will be um, another one of those interesting spots too.
2: Glad you mentioned previous regime. You you did a segue without even knowing it. Uh, but um, uh, your friend and and occasional broadcast partner, Doc Walker, he had uh, Doug Williams on last week, and yeah. Doug very interesting quote from Doug about the previous regime and culture and all that. What do you make of 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 Doug saying that and and kind of expound on it? He, it was was he saying things that was kind of an open secret up in Ashburn?
0: Well, I mean, he obviously was kind of pushed out of the way um, with with Ron, um, right. so I could understand him feeling that way. And then there was, you know, lack of results. And look, I mean, I, so I've said this over and over again. If that, if that regime had spent – when we say regime, really, it's Ron Rivera. Right. Ron Rivera had spent as much time uh, worrying about stuff he could control outside of listening to the media and be concerned about narratives and what's being said on sports talk radio, he, he would have done himself a big favor. I mean, he just – he could be a radio consultant in DC with as much time as he spent worrying about what things were being said. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me, a guy um, with that stature, with the money, with the um, gosh, you know, with the amount of, um, you know, the amount of power that he was given was so, so rabbit eared, you know, was so focused on just anything or everything that was being said about the team or himself. And it was really strange um, over the years. And, you know, look, I, I think, i don't really know what exactly doug was saying but i would take it you know i'd, I'd take it uh, as being fact if Doug's sanity he, li- he lives there every day cares deeply about the franchise and you know it's always weird when you bring guys in on the outside and you know dan quinn's got to deal with this a little bit too a, it's a delicate balance because they have to um be very cognizant of what they don't know in terms of the history of the franchise and uh kind of embracing without pushing away marty schartenheimer struggled with that a little bit i think he did kind of a he was kind of, you know, more about, you know, well, we don't need this past stuff in front of us, you know, pushing it back, which I don't think was the smartest thing on his part. One of the few things he did wrong when he was here, but in that, that short period of time, but yeah, I mean, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta be sensitive to it because this isn't some BS franchise. It was, you know, always a, it was a laughing stock like it has become. Um, it was, it was, it was one of the best in the NFL for, for many decades and uh, they need to get back to that level and they should, you know, embrace those players, the people that were part of that, bring them back in. And I think to some degree they've done that, you know, with some of the alumni things. It's just you don't see many guys outside of Doug, frankly, that were part of the franchise, though, you know, being hired over there or being part of it. I'm not saying they've got to go out and get every former player uh, to be there. But, you know, it is something that uh, I think, you know, probably would signal a little bit more, I, I guess, um, crediting to that era. If, if you if you had some of those folks around that, that want to be in football, because there, there are plenty of them to do. And let's face it, that's that, that those guys represented the franchise back when uh,
2: back when it owned the market, which isn't the case anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I really hate to ask you if you got a pick for this weekend because it it really doesn't matter. I guess just good ratings, right for uh, for the radio station. that's all we're really rooting for here.
0: <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm rooting hard for, um, the, the chiefs. I want to see the, the greatness continue. Um, and I also don't want to see that stupid 2013 Redskins picture anymore. So, <laughs> um, I, I'm rooting for them. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We did this thing a few weeks ago, like teams, you know, like the most awful outcome of the Super Bowl for you. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the 49ers win. The whole thing, um, would be the worst single handle. You know, that same group of staff members were on that 20, we're on one of the Falcons friend We're on that Falcons yeah. staff with Dan Campbell. And actually, most of those guys had much higher um, job titles at that point uh, versus the time they had in Washington. But you know, it's besides the point. But anyway, yeah, no, no, I'm rooting. I'm rooting uh, hard for the Chiefs. I, I'm a big uh, Andy Reid fan, anyway. A boys respected Andy. All the crap he put up with in Philadelphia, and obviously, how can you not like Pat Mahomes unless, of course, you're a Raiders fan or a Chargers fan, I guess. And uh, Bingo, right that division or the Broncos. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't have any rooting interest in the AFC, so I, I don't mind seeing Mahomes knock down some more. Um, you know, some more levels of greatness. So I'm, I'm definitely room for the Chiefs. You and I are of the same mind, my
2: friend. Scott Jackson, appreciate your uh, insight here, my friend. We shall talk again soon.
0: All right, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it.
2: That's going to do it for us. Make the clock on the wall said so We got to get on out of here. Talk to you after the Super Bowl. Talk to you after the Caps road trip. Hopefully talk to you after some Capitals wins. We'll just have to see on that one, though. Enjoy, everybody. Next week, remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always,
1: do wear white.